Uh, welcome to those of you here in the auditorium, to those in the fellowship hall, and to those in the gymnasium, and for those of you watching online, thank you for joining us, and to our church family watching online. Uh, you are missed here, and uh, we understand just with this pandemic um, your absence, but we are longing for the day when we will be able to gather uh, together as one, and we're going to pray to that end at the end of the service as we pray for a number of things to do with this pandemic as many in our church family are struggling. Well, today we are beginning a new series called Family Treasures, and for the next five weeks, we'll be looking at gifts that we receive from God that we can give uh, to our children. We'll be looking at the gifts of faith, love, grace, perseverance, and uh, finally, uh, honor, those five gifts. And uh, if you're a parent, uh, especially of young children, uh, this series is for you. But as well, if you're, uh, you hope to someday be a parent or you're a grandparent, it's for you, as well as for single people, because the reality is, as single people, um, you uh, are an aunt or an uncle, and you're part of a biological family as well. So this series is for all of us, that we would give these gifts to the next generation, to our children. And so today we're talking about the gift of faith, passing along your faith in God, your faith and your values to your children. And if you're here today and you're like my children uh, are outside the home, they've grown, they're adults now, and I didn't do that, uh, this is not to make you feel guilty. Or maybe you look back and, or you're looking back and there's some mistakes you've made and, and uh, there's a broken relationship maybe uh, or there's things you wish you had done differently. This is not about guilt at all. This is about from this day forward saying, God, use me to pass along my faith and values to my children. Uh, I have a friend, and he's very public with his story, but he uh, has five boys, and one of his boys um, died when uh, the boy was very young. And so uh, this friend, he decided to leave God, leave the church, and uh, for the next couple of decades raised his family uh, without God in the home. And, um, but God got a hold of him uh, in his early 60s. And so for the last 25 years, uh, when he uh, was in his early 60s, he said, uh, he made a commitment back to Christ, and he said, I want to pass my faith along to my kids. So with his adult kids and his grandkids, he's still involved in that in his 80s, and God is using him. So today, for all of us, we can say from this day forward, God, I want to pass along my faith. Uh, and I want to mention as well, too, as we think about our faith and our values, uh, I just want to remind all of us that uh, our children are not our report cards. Um, we are called in Scripture to train up a child in the ways of the Lord, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. And that's an observation, that if you intentionally raise your kids in the ways of the Lord, there's a good chance they will follow Jesus. Um, but there are parents who have raised their kids in the ways of the Lord, and they have a child or children that aren't walking with the Lord. And so if that's you, that you need to keep praying uh, for your adult children. Uh, so we want to pass along our faith and Value. So as we begin today uh, with this uh, uh, message, I want to start with a photo of my family. Uh, this is uh, my wife Lisa and our three kids, and this was taken at the end of the summer. Uh, we were at Lake Louise. Uh, it was a dream of mine to take my family out west. I thought that window had passed, uh, the opportunity was over, but we had a chance to go out there for a week. And, uh, and, uh, but here's the reason I'm showing you this photo of my family. 
Uh, Lisa and I, uh, before we were married, we purposed that Christ would be the center of our relationship. And then uh, before we had children, if we had children, we purposed that Christ would be the center of our home. And during those years of raising our kids, my wife said more than once, the years are many, or sorry, the, the days are long, but the years are many. The days are long. So true. I remember when my kids were five, three, and one, I was down in the furnace room hiding, playing hide and seek. And it was there, it struck me. This is like my favorite game in the world because I have two minutes to close my eyes before the kids find me, right? And there's times, uh, folks, when you are so exhausted as a parent and you think, you know, are these days ever going to end? And, you know, tomorrow I'm going to do that. But before you know it, your kids are 23, 21, and 19 out heading off into the big wide world. And so the point of the, the photo there is to say to you younger parents especially, but to all of us, is we need to be intentional about passing along our faith and values. If we're not, there's so many things in our world that will consume us, we're distracted, and next thing you know, they're gone. So we want to be intentional about doing this. So what we're going to do today, and uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at why I should pass along my faith and values to my children, and then secondly, how do I pass along my faith and values. There's a framework in this passage. And then we're going to end with some hopeful, hopeful ideas for imperfect families. And so may God speak to all of us this morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll be looking at the first nine verses uh, today. And we're going to begin with why we're to pass along our faith. We read these words beginning in verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Now, this is Moses saying, I'm passing along God's ways to you and to your children and to their children. He's passing along the faith. Now, if we back up 2,000 years to the time of Christ and then another 14 or 1,500 years before that, so about 3,400 years, Moses is on the eastern side of what we call modern-day Israel. He's on the other side of the Jordan River. And he is there. He has led the people for 40 years in the wilderness. The Hebrew people have come out of Egypt, and for 40 years they've been in the wilderness. And now he is speaking to the people before they go into the land. And he's giving, him, giving them the laws, the decrees, and, and the ways of the Lord. So to the earlier generation, 40 years ago, when he came down from Mount Sinai, he shared with them God's Ten Commandments. And you find those in Exodus 20. But many of those people, most of those people, had died in the wilderness. And so now he is restating God's Ten Commandments for a new 
generation. He's, and that's why we find the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, but we also find them in Deuteronomy 5. So he's saying, here's the moral laws of God, and they had civil and ceremonial laws as well. Here they are. Now, when you cross into the land, you make sure that you obey, that you observe them, that you keep them. Now, what was the land like that they were crossing into? Well, 3,400 years ago, that land... Uh, if you look on the modern map of Israel, you'll see it's, it's kind of long and narrow, but you go up in that land, it was known as the land of Canaan. Canaan was a grandson of Noah. And in that land were the descendants of Canaan. So you had uh, Amorites, Jebusites, Hivites, Hittites. But what we want to understand about the land of Canaan and all of these people groups was this. The people worshipped many gods. There was the grain god and the sea god and the land god, all kinds of gods. If you read, when you read in the Old Testament, you'll find Baal was a god, Asherah was a god, Molech was a god, all kinds of gods. And connected to these gods uh, was a worship. And with the worship, there was sexual immorality debauchery, and in the case of, of with the god Molech and the other gods like him, there was child sacrifice because many of those gods were seen as capricious gods. You had to appease the gods. So if you were going through some bad luck, you would take your child and sacrifice your child to this god. And Moses is saying, when you go into the land, you're going to be tempted to not follow God's ways and worship these other gods. In that day, what happened in the land of Canaan was that these different people groups would go through to different villages and they would have like a parade and you'd go through a village and you'd invite other people that weren't part of your family to join you in this parade. And you would go and you would worship this God. And again, there was sexual morality, debauchery. And Moses is saying, when those parades are going by you, don't join the parade. You keep the laws and decrees and commands of the true God. Let's fast forward 3,400 years later. In our culture, in Canada, we don't have the gods of Molech and Asherah and Baal. We have other gods. When I was uh, growing up in the 70s, uh, kind of one of the key gods in, in those days was, was money. Everybody was just, you know, you were trying to get money. You know, go to school and get a house and get this and you need this and it was money. Uh, today, as I look at young people, a lot of times it's the god of experience. You just need to go here and go there and go there and the bucket list, you, you have to cross all those things out. Now, money and, and going experiencing things are not wrong, but when that's what your life is about, when that's who you serve, that's where your affections are going to, that's not good. We have other gods in our culture today as well. We have the god of power. You need to have people um, that you can you know, tell what to do. Uh, then there's the god of popularity, uh, social media. You need to be known. Uh, there's the god of sex. That god is everywhere, but probably... The most attractive and popular God is the God of self. This parade is everywhere. Your kids, your grandkids are being raised. Join the parade of self. Life is about you. It's about self-fulfillment. 
And probably the best representation to me of this is a, a particular woman who wrote a bestseller. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list for a long time, and she just came out with a new book, and so it piqued my curiosity last week or the week before when I was just leafing through this uh, book at a bookstore. But in her bestseller, uh, she says that your life is about you. And she's a very good writer. She used to be a Christian mummy blogger and uh, was married uh, for 14 years and three kids. And she left her husband because she fell in love with someone else. And she totally rejected the Christian faith. She says, all of those things about God and marriage and life, I don't believe them anymore. I'm listening to the voice of self. There's some good things in her book, but there are false truths in there mixed in. And she talks to women in particular about not being caged. And, and women have been mistreated in her culture. And, and women to know, need to know who they are. But at the end of the day, it's about putting yourself first. You do what you want to do. And so she's not listening to the voice of God anymore, the voice of self. Well, that is resonating in our culture. I mean, people are buying it left and right. And your kids are are going to be tempted to just live for themselves. Moses says, no, all of those parades, they're going to one day end. You need to be true, faithful to the true God. So make sure um, that you, when you cross the Jordan River, you follow these creeds, commands, and decrees, and laws. Well, why should we? Two reasons. Notice in verse 2, so that... Your, you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. Why should you teach your children about God, pass along your faith? Because he's God. He's their creator. Moses talks about the fear of God, that that's in your home. Now, fearing God is not cowering, walking on eggshells, thinking God's going to get you. That's not the true God. Fearing God has the idea of reverencing him because of who he is. He's God. We're not. And I just want to pause for a moment and remind us here that God is alive and well. Our culture, we don't hear a lot about God, but he is still on the throne, and he has revealed himself to us so that none of us have an excuse. Let me remind you of the four ways God has revealed himself to us. Other ways as well, but, but primarily through creation, uh, through our conscience, in our DNA, our humanness, uh, through his word, the Bible, and then ultimately through his son, Jesus. Now, let's talk a moment about creation. We're to fear this God who made all things. Now, we still are listening to the narrative that, you know, evolution and there was no God behind it. Friends, there are scientists at MIT, Harvard, top universities around our world who say that is not true. And they're saying with the evidence is pointing more and more to God and not away from God. So we need to change that narrative. In the last 25 years, astronomers have discovered cosmological discoveries that just would blow our minds. And it, it, it just points out to the unfathomable wisdom and magnitude of this God who's created all things. He is so big. And the, the challenge for us as, as followers of Jesus is not that we would reject this God, but that we'd reduce him. We'd make him a small God. He is far bigger 
and greater than we can imagine. So we want to make sure our kids know about this God who created them, who he is. He's also, through his word, revealed himself uh, more and more with uh, archaeological discoveries. They are confirming, not denying, people, places, and events in scriptures. You know, oh, the Bible's full of myths. Yesterday's narrative. We're finding more and more as we dig, and that's why it's been my favorite refrain. Keep digging, boys and girls, keep digging because it's confirming scripture. So God has revealed himself, his DNA, his fingerprints are everywhere. So we, we take him seriously because of who he is. But there's a second reason. Notice that he says, as Moses says as well, and so that you may enjoy long life, that it may go well with you. Now we live in a fallen world. That's not a promise to each of us that we're gonna live a you know, a long life, but what it's saying is that God's ways are good for us. When we follow his ways, it leads to good health, to longer life. It is good for you to obey God's command to forgive others on a whole number of levels, but physiologically, it's good for you. You want to last longer? Learn to forgive people. It's good for you to be generous and share your money and your time And uh, social uh, studies show this again and again. It leads to better health. So God's ways are good. And parents, you need to be convinced of this because if you're not, you're not going to be fully committed to passing along your faith and your values to your kids. And I know for uh, young people in high school, University, you're looking around and you see all these parades going by and you're like, oh, I can't, you know, get drunk and I can't smoke, you know, and and do drugs and I can't sleep with this person, that person, and here I am a Christian. Listen, as you get older, you're going to realize, hopefully, that you are very blessed not to join those parades. God's ways are good. Mom and dad, be intentional about saying, here's the values of God, here's who... He is. I was reading this book recently by Michelle Borba. It's called Thrivers. It's a new book. And she talks about the surprising reasons why some kids struggle and others shine. Thrivers. And so what she does in her book is she says the, the past uh, few generations, or the past generation, the past uh, few decades, the focus has been in raising our kids on, on their grade point average and on trophies. And she's saying, it's not good. Kids are not thriving when we do that. And she quotes the counsel, a counselor from Harvard, a counselor from uh, um, Stanford, a counselor from Princeton, and you know, they all say, you know, the kids are very smart on campus, but they're empty. They're formless, or they're voidless. There's a void in them. Uh, there's something missing in their life. And so she says, we've been focusing on GPA and trophies, which is not good. And folks, there is a place for piano lessons. There is a place for doing your homework and trying to get into a certain university or college. There is a place uh, for telling your kids, here's how you play soccer, here's how you play hockey, and peak performance and all of that. It has its place. But that's not our focus. Our focus is to be on God and his values. And she, in her book, I don't think she's a Christian, but she, in her book, she talks about how kids that thrive need two things. And she, she looks at a whole bunch of research. She says, first, they need a parent. One parent who they have a bond with their child, where that bond, or the parent is supportive of their child. They're like behind their child, cheering their child, supporting their child. But the second thing is that kids that thrive 
have a set of learned character qualities. And she lists seven in her book, like optimism and self-control and uh, integrity. Those are all God's ways. His commands are good. And mom and dad, if you don't do it, who's going to do it? She also points out in her book that in the last couple decades, that you look at the words integrity, conscience, morality, honesty, virtue, we're seeing those less and less in books. And for kids, it's um, these character, when they hear character in books today, it's about what you do, not who you are. So moms and dads, you want to pass along your faith to your kids. One, because there's a God who is God. And secondly, his ways are good. Well, let's now look at how we do that. And a very familiar passage um, that gives us a framework. We sometimes uh, read it when we have uh, children dedicated to the Lord. um, Verses 4 through 9. Moses continues, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So Moses says, don't follow these other gods. You obey God. And now he says, He's going to tell them how to do it. And notice the words, hear, O Israel. Here in Hebrew is Shema. It means to listen, to hear. Shema Israel. He's calling them to attention. And here's what he says to them. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's not many. That he is one. He's, he's teaching them. There's monotheism, not polytheism. You know all of these gods In the land of Canaan, they're not real gods. There's only one true God. He has no rivals. He is one. And then he goes on to say, love that God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. When you go into this land, don't give your heart to that God and that God and that God. Love your God with your whole being. As Jesus said, you can't serve money mammon, and God at the same time. You've got to make a choice. Don't be half-hearted, but be all in for the true God. In other words, in your home, you want to do your best to love God with your whole being and your kids as well. You want God the center of your home. And just a note here to dads. Dads, fathers, you are not the center of your home. And you really aren't the authority in your home. God is the one with authority in your home. Now, he has gifted you as a dad with some of those authorities. You're called to lead your home, and you're going to be accountable for that. And if your wife has the gift of leadership, and you delegate uh, that to to her, and, and that you're still going to be accountable. But here's the point I'm trying to make, is that as dads, For many years in the Christian church, we've had dads who are like, I'm the head of this house. You cross that line, you don't know what you're going to get. And we have dads who have been controlling and dictatorial down through the decades in the Christian church. That is not what a godly man looks like. Dad is not the center of the home. 
He is not the authority in the home. God is. A godly dad says, oh, you've given me authority in this home? Okay, God. But that authority you've given me is to love my family and to serve them for their well-being. And oh, God, I need help because that's hard to do. And where God is, his fruits of the Spirit are where you're a loving dad and and you're trying to be a, a kind dad and a thoughtful dad. So dad's not the center of the home. Mom's not the center of the home. Kids are not the center of the home. Don't make your kids into idols and like, we're just gonna do whatever you wanna do because that will lead to their demise. It starts with you, mom and dad. Love God with your whole being and then you want your kids to do that as well. And just a note to you parents, when you do, you know, as you say, oh, I want our kids to love the Lord, where do you start with that? It's not like you should love the Lord your God. It's rather you're, you're saying, oh God, help my kids to see how much you love them. Help them to see that you are a good God. The peas on their plate that are mushed and they don't want to eat, oh Lord God, those are from you. Our homes are from you. Everything's from you. And oh God, your greatest demonstration of your goodness was coming to this world to die on a cross for us. And so you're praying for, for God to open up your, uh, your kids' eyes to see how much Jesus loves them. And so that they'll come into a personal relationship with him. We love him because he first loved us. And then that love for him, how do we love him? By loving other people that your kids would love their classmates, would love the people in the community. So it starts with God opening their eyes to your love. And just a note too, for parents, uh, you don't want to raise your kids uh, simply to be moralistic, you know, moralism, oh, we want kids to stay out of trouble. You want to raise your kids. Oh Lord, I'm praying for my kids that they would love you with their whole being. Oh God, stir their affection for you. With all these parades going by, help them to stay with you. It takes work. This is not easy. It's easier to put yourself at the center of the home. It's easier to join a parade. This takes work. It means, and I'm gonna like to share three things. It means that you yourself are faithful to God. Before you pass along your faith and values, look at your life, am I faithful to God? Notice what Moses says in verse six. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. That before you, and you want to teach your kids, and before, but before you teach and say, you practice and do. Oh God, help me to be an example. I'm a flawed example, but help me to be an example of you. And that means, mom and dad, you have to fight for your heart. Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart. For out of your heart, it's the wellspring of life. Everything else flows. And if you start giving your life, your, your heart to, you know, a vocation that's first in your life, for money you're chasing this or you're chasing that, your kids see that. You want to, what you uh, teach, you want to model with your behavior as well. Which means, mom and dad, there's going to be times, because you're not perfect, you're going to have to apologize to your kids. I know for me. I've had to apologize to my kids over the years. I still have to apologize, but all the time, the Lord's shaping me a little better. But, but hey, kids, I'm sorry that Daddy got mom, mad at Mommy. That was not right. That was not good. Or I'm sorry, you know, that guy that cut us off and I banged the dashboard? Okay, let's pray for him. Right? What you practice and do 
is what you teach and say. They have to go together. And if you have not modeled that, can I encourage you, even if your kids are in your 40s, 50s, and 60s, ask them to forgive you. Ask them to forgive you. Parents, uh, parents with teenagers, that hypocrisy radar is like very loud in your child's life. So, so ask them. These commandments are to be on your heart. So, so it, it begins with your faithfulness. But secondly, it means you intentionally teach them. If you lack intention, okay, you're not, they're not going to, your faith and values, they're going to follow the ways of the world. You've got to be intentional. Notice what Moses says, verse 7. Impress them on your children. Impress. Teach them diligently with a purpose to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. So talk about God and his ways at mealtime. And when you walk along the road, when you're walking, when you're driving, drive time, talk about your kids. When you lie down, bedtime. And when you get up, wait time. In other words, all through the day, you're trying to bring God into your home. Moms and dads, somebody's teaching your kids. Is it going to be the world? Or is it going to be you and the church? Your kids have two possible worldviews, a secular worldview or a biblical worldview. Out in the land of Canaan, it's very secular. Your kids are hearing, life is about you. Life is about self-fulfillment. Life should be easy. Life is just the here and now. It ends at death. That's a secular worldview. It's not true. It's false. You want to be teaching your kids that life is about God. And if you don't know where to start, that you would say, okay, I want to teach my kids 10 attributes of God. I know for me, four ones that are right near the top. God is holy, God is sovereign, God is love, and God is personal. God is holy. Hey, kids, God is not like us. He's always existed. And you talk about his holiness, his otherness. And then God is sovereign. Everything that's happening at school or everything that's happening on your team, God rules over that. He governs over that. Not just the significant things, but the seemingly insignificant things. He's in control. We can trust him. And we talk about his love. He is a God of love. He loves you more than mom. He loves you more than dad. And he's a personal God. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship with the living God. And so you are intentional. Are you perfect? Not at all. We're not perfect. But as much as you can, you want to teach your kids about the ways of God. A worldview, a secular worldview, a worldview is the way we see the world. It's our beliefs that determine our decisions and our behavior. And the world is saying, here's your worldview. And we say, no, we reject that. This is our worldview, and God is at the center of that. So, so you need to be intentional about guarding your heart, being faithful to God, and intentional about passing along um, your, your, and teaching your children, but also you need to be intentional about reminding yourself, creating rhythms. It's not like, oh, I should do this today. It's you look at your week, you look at the month, you look at the year. What are the rhythms in your life that will help to keep God in focus because it's so easily in our culture to quickly forget about God. And so Moses said, when you cross over into this land with many gods, you stay to the true God. And then he says this about his God's ways and commands. Verse, verses 8 and 9. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Tie them. 
take God's commands, his word, and tie it to your hands. And so the, the Hebrew people took this literally. So they created these phylacteries, these little leather boxes, and inside those boxes, they put some scriptures. And then they would attach that box to a leather strap, and they'd bind the strap around their left arm. Why their left arm? Because it was close to their heart. So in other words, and we have Orthodox Jews today that still do this, so that in other words, as I go throughout the day, God's commands, his laws are close to my heart. And then they would take that box and tie it to a band and put it on their foreheads. And why on their foreheads? As a way of reminding that God's ways are on my mind. And then they would take, notice what he says next, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So they would take God's scriptures and they put them in, not a flactory, but a little cylinder container called a mezuzah. And they put the scriptures in the mezuzah and then they put the scriptures on the doorpost of their home as they would go into the home. Why? And many of them today, or, uh, Orthodox Jew, will kiss the mezuzah as a way of saying, in our homes, we are going to follow God's laws, God's word. So we don't do that today. We don't have phylacteries and mezuzahs, but, but we need rhythms. We need things to remind us that, hey, we are about God in our home. So I'd like to now give, uh, share some hopeful ideas for imperfect families. If you're here today as a parent, or even as a grandparent, and you feel inadequate, you feel like you failed a time or two, you wish this was different, wish that, join the club, okay? We're all not perfect. But do something rather than nothing. Say, okay, God, from this day forward, I want to do something. I want to pass my faith and values to the next generation. And can I also say, just before we look at some of these ideas, um, parents, you need the church to come alongside of you. You need a church that reinforces, that affirms your values and your faith because your kids are living in the land of Canaan. And I know for Lisa and myself, our kids grew up at Woodside Church, and we are so grateful for this church that has people who are saying, hey, we're following the true God as well. And we want for your kids what you want for your kids, that they would follow God. And I know there are a number of seniors who have since passed on, but they were willing to say, you know what, we'd like to sing hymns every service, five, six hymns every service. But they said, you know what? If some of these modern songs are helping the younger generation to connect with God, okay, we're, we're in. And it used to, and it still does, some of the older folks, it thrills them to see young people up here and singing uh, some of these songs. And we still try to sing a hymn or two, but I'm so grateful for those seniors. I'm grateful for Sunday school teachers and, and, and kid, um, parents, some of, some of them older parents, who were uh, in the halls on a Tuesday night listening to my kids say their memory verse at Kids Club. Chokes me up. Parents, in the pandemic, it's been normalized not to go to church, to stay at home, and it's understandable right now, but when things open up, you need to have your kids in Sunday school around other followers of Jesus. You need people coming alongside of you. Otherwise, your kids are joining these parades. And please note, every single parade, it will one day end. When Jesus Christ returns, we'll all see there's one true God. 
Okay, so let's look at five things we can be intentional about. First of all, we need to be intentional about making a plan. Plan for wake time, meal time, drive time, bedtime. Uh, when you guys, when your family gets up, what are your morning habits? Everybody's late, rushes off, screaming out the door. What's your morning habits? Today, can you consider what's maybe one thing that when our kids go off, this is what it's like. I know for Lisa and myself, when our kids were in elementary school, middle school, and high school, we try to send them off with God's with you, God loves you, you're not alone. We repeated that. And some parents, that, that every day, their kids, God loves you, God loves you, love God, love people. What's your morning look like? One thing. Second, mealtime. This is a crucial time. Why? Because at mealtime, when you sit down together as a family, there's conversation that happens there that doesn't happen anywhere else. Now, is it hard to get everybody together in your family? It is very hard, but it is worth it. I know in our family growing up, there was hockey practices, and there was uh, piano lessons, and there was, there was a certain time when I was working way too much and, and coming home, and it was hard to sit down together as a family. Did we do it every single night? No, but a lot of nights we tried to do that. And, uh, when our kids were younger, uh, I had a Christian dad say to me, uh, he was sharing about his kids, and he said, you know, uh, I'm not home every supper with them because of my job, and he shared his job. But he said, I try to make breakfast our family time, where we sit down together as a family, and then I drive them to school. Uh, one meal a day, if possible, and again, that can vary, but, but let's sit down together as a family. Study after study shows the value of mealtime. Um, loud tables, messy tables are central to spiritually vibrant families. And one thing we've had a uh, thing at our house, and again, this is not about guilt, this is trying to help all of us to, to move forward, but one thing at our house, we don't have our phones at the table while we're eating. We put them down. We turn them, you're not, we're not, however, and we're not legalistic. Now, there's the odd time, you know, we're talking about something, and say, oh, no, I don't think it's this, and then so, hey, Siri, or Google, or whatever, and we just, you know, uh, figure that one out. But we're talking with one another. And when Lisa and I, our kids were younger, it was an opportunity for, for us to say, hey, you know what? Money, we talk about money. We want our kids, we've taught them to tithe. Because we want our kids, God's ways are good, we want our kids to be generous kids. We don't want them to be selfish, stingy, and miserable. We talk to our kids uh, about school and how there was a bully picking on somebody else and how we should respond. What do we do in that situation? We talk to, to our kids about, oh, you're nervous for that test. And so here's God. He's in control. Do your best. Did you study? Okay. And so you have those conversations at the table. So that mealtime, so important. Parents, is there one meal a day? or for most days anyway, where you're together. Third is drive time, right? You're looking around, hey, that scantily clad woman on the billboard, and you talk about that. Uh, the, the, the homeless person that's got a cup at a traffic light, wanting your money, you talk about that. So you use drive time, you use walk time. And then fourthly is bedtime. This is a very um, important time. So meal times and bedtimes, two key times. But bedtime, and this is one that, that my wife had to remind me again and again, because by the time the kids, you know, they're ready for bed, I'm just exhausted, and I just want to rush them to bed, right? Jesus loves you, amen. You know, close your eyes, go to sleep, right? What an, what an opportune time to talk about God, right? How many of you have kids 
And they like to stay up. Okay, you're not winding your kids up at bedtime, you want, but yet it's an opportunity for you. Hey, you know what? We've been quite anxious or fearful, and you read them one verse from God's Word, and you talk to them about God, and you pray for them at bedtime. Or maybe they have a children's Bible, and you're learning um, a story about God uh, in the Bible and who he is, and there's a character quality. See how God wants us to be honest, or God wants us to be kind, or God wants us... So bedtime is another opportunity. And uh, again, and maybe it's a certain phrase you use each night. We used to say, um, Mommy loves you, Daddy loves you, and Jesus loves you most of all. So be intentional about these times. Make a plan. Secondly, be intentional about learning. Keep learning, right? As followers of Jesus, we don't have a fixed mindset. Oh, that's just the way I am. And No, we have a growth mindset where we're learning. I learned a lot about being a parent, and someday, maybe, I don't know, I might be a grandparent, and I'm already starting to ask questions. Oh, you got grandkids. Talk to me. Tell me. Can I say this to you too, dads? As a follower of Jesus, you are humble, and you need to be reaching out to other Christians in particular and say, how'd you do it? Can I talk to you? Can we go for a coffee? Well, uh, that rightly done, but you're talking to other parents, especially those that are maybe further along than you are. There's Christian podcasts, Christian books, where you're continuing to learn. How can I be a better parent? I want to say to you too, if you weren't raised in a Christian home, um, you can begin today to raise your family in the ways of God, which means you've got to learn who God is, and you've got to learn how do you do that with your kids. And I will say to those of you here that maybe when you look at a genogram, your family tree, you see like abuse, incarceration, you just see a very dysfunctional family. I want to say to you, you can do it. You can break, break a generational curse. You can be the first person to say, I was raised like this and everything's a mess and train wrecks, but Lord, help me. And, and you're learning with other people. Uh, there's a, a fellow who, I think he's a pastor now, but he recounts the days when he was a 13-year-old boy from a very dysfunctional family and a Christian family took him in and he spent time with his Christian family. He says, a 13-year-old boy, I remember sitting at their dinner table and I didn't know exactly what they had, but I knew I wanted it. That's what God wants, that we would begin to be intentional about learning. Then intentional as well uh, about praying, that we would pray with our children and pray for our children, and a good time is, is bedtime, but other times as well. And can I say to, to parents too, where you're just like stressed out and frustrated and you got a lot of things in your home, Learn to turn those struggles and frustrations into prayer. So all day long, you're like, oh, Lord, this happened, and oh, Lord, please help me here, and you're just constantly lifting up your kids. And then being intentional about being safe. You want to be a safe person, so eventually when your kids, as they grow up, they'll come to you, they'll talk to you, there's a relationship that you're not going to flip out about things, being safe, which means you need to be safe about your words, right? Um, uh, the power of life and death is in our tongue, isn't it, with our words. You want to speak words of life, not words of death. And I want to say, too, uh, for us as parents, if you've ever shamed your child, you'll never amount to much, or how come this in your life and you just shamed your child? Even if your child is older, 40s, 50s, 60s, you need to go and ask them to forgive you to try to make that right. Shame has no place in the Christian home. So with our words, Lord, help me. 
with my words and that I'm a safe person. And then also you're safe in your discipline. Parents, again, the stages, right? There's, when they're young, uh, there's the discipline stage and then the training stage and then the coaching stage and then the friendship stage. But when your kids are young especially, they need you to be the authority. You don't want to be their best friend when your child is two years old where like, oh, you don't want to eat your veg Here, you just have candy. No, you need to be the parent. But you need with that authority to have loving authority where you're a safe person, where your kids know that mom and dad are for me. Mommy's on my side, dad's on my side, which means when you give them a time out or you have to discipline them, whether it's to do with disobedience or disrespect or dishonesty, that you're doing with a heart of love. That you want, it's not payback and revenge, it's you want to be restored and you want your kids to learn. And so you're, you're, you're a safe person with your discipline. And I also say, um, uh, husbands and wives, you need to be on the same page to talk about that and with discipline. And again, if you're struggling there, reach out to somebody. What did you do? And then fifth, to be intentional about having fun. The, the, the God that our kids, we want them to follow, is not a grumpy God, a stuck stick in the mud, you know? He's the God of all joy. And so would you have a rhythm where you're having fun with your kids, maybe on a day-to-day -day basis. For the most part, you take 20, 30 minutes when you're home sometime or in the evening, and you're on your knees with your kids playing Lego or you're reading a book or you're doing something um, there on a daily basis. And granted, every day's different. It's not gonna happen every day, but you wanna have fun with your kids on a daily basis, weekly basis, that maybe there's a, a family night on a Friday night and we're gonna take two or three hours uh, where we have just a little devotion. We talk about God, read a verse, have a little prayer, and then uh, we're going to watch a movie. We're going to have popcorn. We're going to play a board game. And then on a, an annual basis, a yearly basis, hey, we're going to go here for a little break, a little vacation. So we have a God of fun. Moses says to the people, when you go over into the land, there's going to be a lot of gods in Canaan. You Put God at the center of your home. You love him. Be intentional with yourself. And then intentionally teach that to your children. And make sure you've got reminders so that you don't stop obeying him and you start following these false gods. Woodside, that's the call for all of us here today. Moms, dad, grandpas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, are you in? Are we going to do our best to raise our children and our young people in the ways of God. Not simply because he's God, because his ways are best.